What's going on? Welcome into the Sharp Angle Podcast. On today's show, we'll do a deep dive on both games in the Premier League coming up tomorrow. This is the Sharp Angle. Every day on your favorite podcast player. We did this a few days ago for the opening games in the uh, Premier League, and we're going to do the same thing today. As I said before, we've got a lot of time right now. The only sports that are back, well, the only sport that's back is soccer. So a lot of time to talk about a lot of things on this show. So today we'll do a deep dive on both games going on in the Premier League tomorrow. I'm going to have more information on the first game simply because there's more information out there. There's more uh, readily known info, right? Facts, things that we can go on. And the second game, which is probably the more high-profile game, so many question marks. We simply don't know enough about the second game. But I'll give you guys a lean for the first game. The second game, we're not going to have a bet, and you'll see why. It's just because there's too many unknowns. But what we'll do is give you guys every piece of information that we know and every opinion we have about both games. That way you can make a, a good... A good uh, you know, a good estimation based on what you think combined with some of this handicapping knowledge right here. So let's start off with the first game tomorrow. Again, both these games are in the Premier League. Uh, first game, Southampton at Norwich. Uh, Southampton at Norwich City. This game is going to take place 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Now let's start off talking about Norwich City. Every single year in the Premier League, you get the team who got promoted from the previous season in the EFL. Now, the EFL is the Championship League. I know it's confusing for those who may not know. When we say the championship on here, we don't actually mean the championship like, you know, the Super Bowl or the the Stanley Cup. The championship in soccer refers to the second tier of English soccer. So the first tier is the Premier League. The second tier is the championship. Uh, they call it the EFL, the English Football League, but it's known as the championship. I know it's, it's confusing as hell, but that's what it's called. So last year, Norwich City was playing in the championship. They got promoted to the Premier League. And again, every season, we kind of see that one team who got promoted that just does not belong. Now, the previous year, it was Huddersfield. They came into the Premier League and won three games all season long. And this year it's Norwich. Now, my biggest issue with Norwich seems to be something that not a lot of other people are talking about, and that is the pace and the system that they play in. Norwich was so successful last year in the championship because they pressed, they played very high, and they played efficiently with three at the back. This year, well, they're doing the exact same thing. It's just not working. Why? Because they largely have the same team intact as before. They didn't, didn't add a whole, new, a whole bunch of new players. Didn't upgrade, really. So they've got pretty much the same team. And they're just facing much, much better defensive teams who are much more prepared and comfortable countering. Let's face it. Unless you're Man City or Liverpool in this league, <laughs> you've got to be comfortable countering. Because you're going to play good teams. You've got to be good, solid at the back end. But you have to be able to move the ball forward. Like every team in the, in the Premier League knows how to counter. That doesn't work as you get down the level in, uh, in English soccer. So they largely have the same team as before, haven't changed a lot in terms of the style they play, and you're seeing it's, it's not translating to wins or draws on the field. The teams who adapt in the Premier League 
always have the most success. This year, it's Sheffield United. They adapted. Man, they're do- doing well. Last year was the Wolverhampton Wanderers. They adapted, and they made English soccer, uh, uh, European soccer. So the teams who adapt, the, the teams who change the way they play to adapt to the Premier League, they always do very well. Norwich, very stubborn, came in, wanted to keep their same style of play, and it's just not working out. Now, with the season, when the season was suspended... Norwich was in last place. They're still in last place with 21 points. That puts them six points back from relegation. Now, most seasons in the Premier League, when you're six, six, uh, I should have said six points back, not six games back. When you're six points back with nine games to play, and remember, nine games means a possibility of 27 points. That's typically not an impossible feat. Matter of fact, that would actually be very possible. Most seasons, I'd say, hey, they're right there in the thick of things. But this year, there's just so many really good teams around Norwich. I don't see them breaking through at all and getting past the relegation zone. It's going to be very tough. So right now, as I said, Norwich isn't 20th. And 19th right ahead of them is Aston Villa. Okay, so Norwich City right now, 20th. They have 21 points. Aston Villa, who's in 19th, has 26 points. Bournemouth, 18. Watford, 17. West Ham, 16. All those teams have 27 points. And then Brighton, in 15th, has 29 points. So Brighton, all the way up at 15th in the table, out of 20 teams, they're only sitting 8 points ahead of Norwich. But the issue here is Bournemouth, Watford, West Ham, and Brighton all got off to a terrible start this season, and I have substantially higher rank than, than Norwich. So if Norwich were to break through relegation, not only do they likely have to win five or six of their remaining nine games, which, by the way, they've won five of 29 games so far, so to think they're going to finish the season winning five of nine is highly unlikely, but even if they do, they're going to have to pass the likes of Bournemouth, Watford, West Ham, even Brighton, Teams that I certainly don't think are going to drop the last nine games at least that far to give Norwich that opportunity. So Norwich is in a really bad spot right now. You're going to hear optimism coming from the team, but I certainly think they have about a 5% chance of uh, getting out, which means 95 or so chance uh, percent chance of getting relegated. It's looking bleak in terms of keeping the team together for another EFL run next year, too. Because the idea for most teams is like Fulham, right? Fulham last year gets relegated to the championship, but then they buy a bunch of guys, they improve their team, wanting to get right back to the to the uh, uh, Premier League. Ideally, that's what Norwich would do next season, but it's going to be expensive to keep their team together. Both Max Ahrens and Ben Godfrey are going to require large fees to keep them individually. Okay, So it's just not looking good right now for Norwich. Now, some positives, they're healthy. Most of their players are coming back healthy. And, and as a matter of fact, guys like Tim Close, Timo Puki, who had nagging injuries all year long, they'll be back. They'll be fine. So Dan Fark will have a full deck to play with. That's a good thing if you're a Norwich fan. But back to the negatives, and yes, this is a perceived negative by me, but they're still in the FA Cup. They need to focus on the Premier League, put together a good run to try and stay in the league for next year because that's going to mean probably three times the money for this team just to stay in the Premier League. So the fact that they play Man United in the FA Cup here in a few weeks, that to me is going to be a big distraction. I mean, they're, they're probably going to want to win the FA Cup, have something to, you know, some piece of hardware to represent this season, but that'll only mean bad things for the Premier League. So distractions, 
the fact that they were so bad already, they're not changing their style. I just don't see a whole lot of good things going on for Norwich City. Now, the thing about Norwich, and we'll talk about this a little later on when we're uh, breaking down the matchup, but Norwich plays very, very offensive. And like I said earlier, my biggest issue with them that no one else is talking about is that it's their pace and system that has brought them down. What you'll hear from you know ESPN, or, uh, what is it, FA ESPN or whatever they do, or NBC Sports and they're talking about soccer or whatever, any of these national soccer outlets, you're going to hear them ranting and raving and oh, really praising the way Norwich plays. Because let's face it, the way Norwich plays is exciting. They hold the ball, they want to press. It's just not translated to win. So everyone's talking, actually, when I say no one's talking about it. Everyone is talking about Norwich's pace. It's just no one's talking about it being a negative thing. And I'm like, am I the only one who sees that they shouldn't be doing this? Everyone's praising them for doing it, yet they've allowed 52 goals all year and they've only scored 25. Both those are worse, the worst marks in the Premier League. So, you know, things are just not good for Norwich right now, and I don't see a whole lot of them changing. Let's go over to Southampton. Southampton needed this break. They were really reeling before it. They'd lost four of five and were falling kind of back into that relegation battle. Now, they're still ahead enough to be comfortable. Uh, They currently sit 34 points, which is... Uh, seven points out of relegation. So they need some results here, but it's not like they're right there in relegation right now. To me, the biggest thing this season that they've done is add the uh, the, the German uh, manager, Ralf Hasenhutl. He's completely changed the way they play. I mean, you talk about a team flipping it overnight. That was all due to a new manager and a new, new uh, scheme. So there are lots of bright spots for this team who struggled mildly to begin the year, and that is largely why they currently sit so far down on the table. It was how they started the season. But there are lots of positives for this team. Like I said, uh, Danny Ings, their striker, he has the second most goals in the Premier League behind Jamie Vardy. I mean, he may get called up to the English national team. This has been a great season for Danny Ings. He's elite. Uh, James Ward-Prowse has been one of the most consistent center backs and right backs in the entire Premier League. And don't get me started on Alex McCarthy. You talk about a goalie going from one of the worst in the league to, you know, above average, maybe, you know, in that in that top 10, top 15 category, or uh, excuse me, top 10 category. Alex McCarthy has really surprised me this year. And yeah, they mix things up in goal about a month or two into the season. But he, to me, is the main goalie going forward for Southampton. And Southampton did use this time off to get healthy. Nathan Redman, who's their glue guy, healed a muscle injury. He should be ready to go. So what Southampton needs to do to finish is actually get points at home. And by the way, they're on the road tomorrow, which is a good sign. But they have dropped and fallen and really underperformed at home this whole season. They're good on the road. I think they're the sixth best road team in the entire league. So as long as they can take care of their business at home, which they should be able to, it's just a mindset shift, I think things are going to end up okay this season for Southampton. Now looking at the overall matchup, I think that Southampton has the edge in almost every category on paper. Southampton dealt with the pressure last time out. They won 2-1, talking about the pressure Norwich is going to bring. They beat Norwich 2-1 earlier this year. And I think we see Norwich hold the ball about as much as uh, Southampton. But here's the thing. The Saints will do more with their possession. I think Danny Ings picks up right where he left off. Uh, Southampton needs at least one point here, so they shouldn't drop this one. Eileen, Southampton, draw no bet, minus 170. I know minus 170 is getting up there, but we get our money back with the push, and we win, of course, with Southampton winning that one. So our Aline there, Southampton, draw no bet, minus 170. All right, let's get on to Man United and Tottenham. Now, we don't have as much information on this game because not a lot's being put out there, and there's just so many question marks for both teams. Let's start off with Tottenham. 
And let's actually start with Tottenham by reminding everyone that their best player left in January, Christian Eriksen. Now he's now with uh, Inter Milan. And I can hear you right now. That's not their best player, Tyler. You ever hear a Harry Kane? Folks, it's not even close. Christian Eriksen was a far better overall soccer player. Now, Harry Kane is one of the best finishers in the Premier League, right? He's a great striker. He's great at one thing, putting the ball in the net, which is good. That's important. That's a big deal. You need a good striker. But what happens is guys like Harry Kane get a lot of notoriety, a lot of publicity, and suddenly everyone thinks he's like the best player in the Premier League, much less his own team, which he's not. He's good at scoring goals. That's all he does. Is he good at that? He's elite at that, but that's really it. Christian Eriksen was an all-around player. Great midfielder, one of the best in the world. He could also score. He took all their free kicks and corner kicks. He was the glue guy. So if you're going to argue that Christian Eriksen wasn't the best player, I had him substantially better than Harry Kane. Okay, He's gone. So the single question for me is, how do the Spurs look coming back without him? Now, they did have some games to adjust before the lockdown, but it's still something I'm not completely certain about. I mean, Christian Eriksen looked great for Inter Milan in their first couple games back. And the rest of the team was very injured before the break with Tottenham. I mean, obviously, Harry Kane um, out with an injury. We we know about that. He should return, okay? Harry Kane should be back, uh, but he was injured before the break. Uh, but also, Sun Young-Min was injured before the break. Musa Sissoko, uh, uh, Steven Bergwin, all injured, all out before the break. I mean, this was not a good time for Tottenham. But they're back, they're healthy. And, and remember, all those guys being out, Kane, Sun, uh, Sissoko, Bergwin... That all coincided with one of the worst runs we've seen Tottenham have in the last couple years. I believe they went winless in eight straight games, a stretch that saw them get knocked out of the Champions League, the FA Cup, and fall back out of the top four in the in the in the uh, Premier League. So that was not a good stretch for for Tottenham. But you can argue it was because they lost their best player and they were really really injured. Well, this break could benefit Tottenham more than any other team. New manager Jose Mourinho said, "A." His players got healthy, which is the most important thing. But B, this is kind of like an extended preseason. Remember, Jose Mourinho, one of the best managers in the world, in my opinion, he came in midseason to Tottenham. There's a lot of things he wants to do they simply weren't implementing at the beginning of the year. I mean, <laughs> if you look at one of the most important changes, uh, old manager uh, uh, Mauricio Pochettino, he used to put Son Young Min at center forward. Jose Mourinho comes in, he's like, no, Sun Young's not a center forward. We're going to play him at wing. That was crazy. I mean, there's a lot of things that Mourinho just completely disagrees with what they used to do at Tottenham. And so the shifting, the molding is actually still going on. I mean, this is the first time all year that he's going to have all these guys healthy at the same time. Talking about Jose Mourinho and the four players we just mentioned being uh, returning with injury or from, from the injuries. So I think this break really could benefit Tottenham. And... Although, you know, the Jose Mourinho implemented these new ideas and all of that is largely on paper, I think it has to help a team who still has a chance to make the top four in the Premier League. Now, keep in mind that if Man City's ban is held up, the uh, we talked about this a few days ago, Man City is currently being kind of, they're in trouble from UEFA for financial fair play rules. If their two-year ban is held up and they can't play in the Champions League next year, that would mean an additional team gets let into the Champions League this year from the Premier League. So that would mean the fifth place team gets in. So right now, if Man City's ban is held up, which it looks like it's going to be, the fifth place team gets in to the Champions League, which gives Tottenham a lot to work for right now. I believe they currently sit, let me pull it up quickly. Uh, yeah, Tottenham currently sits in eighth. They are four points 
out of fifth. Now, to give you guys an idea, uh, we'll go fourth, because fourth is Chelsea with 48 points. Fifth is Man United with 45 points. Sixth is Sheffield United, 44. Seventh is the Wolves, 43. And eighth is the Tottenham Spurs, 41. So do I think the Tottenham can pass the Wolves in Sheffield United? No doubt about it. As a matter of fact, I have a futures on this. I have Tottenham to finish in the top six, and I think they will. The main question is, can they leap either Man U or Chelsea to get that number five spot? I'm not so sure. I'm not going to make any predictions. But the, the, the fact is, they're back and pretty much healthy. I know Erickson's, Erickson's not back. But Tottenham's back and pretty much healthy with a lot left to do. So they're going to come back firing out of the gates. And it's really worth it to say that I've learned a lot from other leagues. Because one of the main questions that I was getting from some of my partners for you know these early Premier League games is, how are we so sure this handicapping is accurate? We don't know what these teams are going to come back like. But, and we don't, right? That, that That's true. We're not completely sure with everything. But we can draw inferences and conclusions based on what we've seen in the Bundesliga, La Liga, Serie A, all the leagues that have come back at this point. Or Serie A hasn't, but you know what I'm talking about. All these leagues who have come back, we can really tell a lot from that. And these teams like Tottenham just find their counterpart on on another uh, on a different league, you know, maybe Dortmund or something like that, and see how they play. Now, of course, of course it's not going to be parallel. But to, to think that, you know, teams are just going to come back slow because of the break, all you have to do is watch... 15 minutes of Bayern Munich soccer, their first game back, that's not true. And do we think that Tottenham is less motivated or less less talented than, you know, especially at midfield in a team like that? I certainly don't think so. So Tottenham will be healthy, will be coming back with a lot of motivation, but the, que- the main question with them is how healthy? You know, how much is Kane going to play? Where is Son going to play? Will Sissoko play at all? So there's so many question marks with Tottenham. We don't even know who's going to be on the field tomorrow. So take this information I'm giving you right now, see what lineups they put out there, and you kind of do some of your own handicapping, but again, I don't have a pick for this game because of all the question marks. Now let's go over to Man United, because Man United, they were playing very well before the break. I mean, they completed their first Premier League double over Man City in over a decade. They sat only three points behind Chelsea, and right now they're looking at uh, European soccer for sure, pretty much. I mean, we can give a lot of that credit to the signing of uh, Bruno Fernandes, who came in from uh, Sporting Libsyn and immediately provided a spark, a boost to that midfield. Man United's put themselves in a really good spot to make the Champions League and at least probably Europa. I mean, they're probably guaranteed European soccer next year. Now with Man United, here comes the question marks, right? Paul Pogba and Marcus Rashford, probably their two most important players should return fully healthy, but we're not so sure about that. They've both been out for a long time this year. Nursing injuries, long-term injuries. And so we need to confirm with the lineups tomorrow. Is Paul Pogba going to play? Is is Marcus Rashford going to play? I mean, it seems to be all positive coming out of uh, Man U. But, you know, I think Man U fans would agree. Prove it to me. You won't believe Paul Pogba is good to go when we see him in the starting lineup. So that's a huge question mark. We don't don't know who's going to be on the field for Man United tomorrow. And a positive for Man United, you can't ignore the buzz around their manager, uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. When he got the interim job, everybody was saying that he's kind of a joke. He's not going to be there long term. He's not the solution. But things are looking really good for him right now. I mean, it's all positive around him. And, and, and it's that's a good thing. When everyone's got so much positive things to say and there's so much positivity, you expect the manager to perform better, to perform better and the players to perform better. 
Man U has had a magnifying glass over them for a long time, and I understand how it's got to be tough to be a Man U player. I mean, it's pretty much win the Premier League or bust, and they haven't been the best team. Hell, they haven't been a top three team in the Premier League in like five years. So things are finally kind of starting to turn over at Man United, but it does come with a ton of question marks. Now, if you look at the matchup overall, Tottenham-Man United, with so many unknowns in the game, right? How long will Harry, how long will Harry Kane play? Will he even start? Where will Sun play? Will Sissoko play? What will the Tottenham midfield come back and look like? Right, Those are all Tottenham questions. And for Man U, will Paul Pogba play? Will Marcus Rashford play? How effective will either of them be if they play? It will. How, how good is Bruno Fernandes, uh, Fernandes going to be? We saw him inject life into Man U initially. Is that going to be there after a couple months off? So with all the uncertainties in this game, we don't have to bet it. We've talked about this before. This is one of the advantages we have over the sports books. They have to put up a line for every freaking game. We don't have to bet every game. If we don't like it, if we don't have a lean, we shouldn't be forced to pick this game. We're not going to. So these are two of the best teams in the Premier League. They're both playing for a ton this game. I mean, they both have really a lot to play for in terms of European soccer. So use this info combined with your own handicapping tomorrow. We'll see what you get. But... That's how I feel about the uh, two Premier League games tomorrow. Man, we are back, and we've got a full slate coming up on Saturday, so I'm sure we'll get some more previews for some, uh, some soccer games coming up this weekend on tomorrow's show. But until then, you stay classy. We'll talk to you tomorrow on The Sharp Angle. This is The Sharp Angle. Every day on your favorite podcast player.